Time now for sports on 104.7 The Cave. Here's Ned Reynolds. Mike, the intern, Ned Reynolds, back in the studio after 10 days. I actually counted last night. It was a long vacation for me. Did you have a good uh, Christmas and New Year? And I want you to emphasize the 10 days is yours, not yeah, mine. Yeah, yeah. No, Ned don't take days off. <laughs> um, if you know him, you know. Uh, so did you have a good uh, Christmas and New Year's? Mine was very nice. How about yours? It was uh, wonderful. It was great to be home with the family. And, I mean, I... You know, vacation when you've got a one-and-a-half-year-old, almost two-year-old isn't really vacation because basically my time was spent chasing him around, watching cartoons, making meals, changing diapers, and then fixing the stuff around the house that I had just kind of pushed to the side. Now, yours is your son. Mine is my great-grandson. Uh-huh. I saw him take his first steps. Oh, he did? Yeah. Well, congratulations. That was a big and, deal. It, and it was into the direction of the fridge to go make you another drink, right? Well, he is approaching that. <laughs> getting closer. He's getting there. Yeah. Getting, he's getting there. Uh, so, yeah, um, pretty uh, pretty in- interesting game in Cincinnati. Uh, before I give you my thoughts, let's, I'll let you go first. Bizarre, and at the very end, just totally bizarre. Nothing happened in that game that's changed my mind. The Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. They are. They do need help. Their defensive backfield was exposed ridiculously by Joe Burrow yesterday, who threw for almost, not literally, but almost twice as many yards as Mahomes. Two hundred, uh, four, I should, 446 yards, while Mahomes was at 256, I think it was. But the fact is that Burrow could pass, and he did. He was under pressure. And Chris Jones got in there a couple times, and they Melvin were Melvin was in him. there, too. Melvin Ingram. Ingram was there, so was Clark. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they had guys in the backfield, and yet Burrow is freeing himself, firing to, boy, I'll tell you, I don't know where the LSU ball club gets these guys, but the Jamar Chase, I'm not even familiar with Jamar Dude, Chase, that, and that the guy kid. was all over the place, 11 catches yesterday, just a huge day. But again, where's the Chiefs D-backs? What in the world are they doing? Uh, you know, Mike, I've got to tell you, this is a, a personal problem with me. The Chiefs did an awful lot of themselves on-field officiating. Forget that, guys. Forget You don't need to point out to the officials. They're blind. We all know that. Just play the doggone game and quit. Hey, they were out of position each time. Hey, and they're pointing their fingers at somebody. The play goes on. They're lost. That bothers the devil out of me. I know. Um, all right, my turn. Yes, I I agree. The D-backs got burned. You got one receiver getting 300 yards against your D-backs. That's a problem. I think Spag should have probably tried to make an adjustment at the half after what happened in the first half, but he didn't as far as the D-back scheme went, um, which is unfortunate. We got burned. Officiating was garbage. I know what you're you're talking about and you're referencing, but there was several, there was a couple there was at least one play I know that the D was pointing down and saying they moved. They never called it, and that was a goal that was on the goal line. But that is not the player's position. Yeah, I it's get it. It's the officials to see you're you're ruining your concentration when you do that. And I know those plays that you're talking about. Yeah, that did happen a couple times. Actually, about three three times during the game. But the one at the goal line. Uh, <laughs> And here's Cincinnati, folks. Cincinnati had eight shots from within the two-yard line and couldn't punch it in. The Chiefs were right there. And what do they get? A break on a hands-to-the-face penalty? Was, and that was garbage. Oh, that my. was garbage. I don't understand the NFL's thought process of sending a brand-new officiating crew to officiate this game. It was so important for not only 
the Cincinnati Bengals to clinch their division, but also for the Chiefs to hopefully remain in the number one spot. That was the first game that crew as a crew officiated. Uh, Ron Torbert, the referee's not a he's no, not either, new. And I'm sure a lot of those guys aren't new either, but as a crew, that was their first game as a crew together. They made a big deal about it, and it was it was just atrocious. I don't know why the, uh, why the NFL, I, I don't know what the protocol is in the NFL, but I know Torbert's been a, an official a referee for quite a few years. But to have those calls... You know, the not just the NFL, but all of football. All of football needs to come to some realization that the the pass interference call has got to be regionalized to a point where everybody does the same thing. Now it's totally subjective. A field judge or umpire or whomever can stand back there and say, I think that was interference and throw the flag. It, this is rubbish. Absolute rubbish. There need to be definitive parameters in which that call is made, if or throw it out and let the defender do whatever he wants. It was ticky tacky yesterday, oh, and and, and your and your point is absolutely right because you can see it in games where official officials like yesterday will be ticky tacky, and it's like, come on, are you kidding me? And then you'll see games where the officials will say, you know what, let them do it, let them play, and they and, and it'll, be, it'll be no calls both sides. And I almost would rather have the no calls both sides to let them play. There is no question, no question in my mind that you're a hundred percent correct. Let them play the game. Now, yeah. if somebody's getting down there and mugging a receiver, that's a different story. Holding is one thing, but my gosh, some of that is brushing, very good defense, brushing and they're head, yeah. calling calling interference on that every time. It's just. It's just ridiculous. It's insane, and it's hurting the credibility of the game. In it my is opinion. hurting the credibility of the game. Like I always said. Now the I'll say one more thing, and then I'm done. Like I said, the getting burned by by Chase was atrocious, and that didn't help the Chiefs at all. They beat themselves in the backfield, and that sucks. But when you know the opposing team's quarterback in their post game interviews literally gets on the mic and said. Oh, we got some calls. He knows it. No. The world knows no. it. And uh, hopefully uh, the officials in the NFL got to see that. And but and Andy Reid said, they asked him straight up, we want to talk about some of those calls? He goes, I'd love to talk about each individual one, but I'm not because I don't want to get fined. He can't because he'll be fined. That's exactly right. That fine will be forthcoming. He cannot do a thing about it. Players can't do a thing about it. All the Cowboys did their – see, it wasn't just the Chiefs game. The Cowboys game with the Cardinals – of course, the, the the mutual fact here is that both teams lost. So losers, yeah, they're they're going to cry a little bit more. But having said all that, these these are not well officiated games at all. Uh, and again, we go back to the interference and the hands to the face and the holding. Well, the holding it's it's now down to where if you wrestle the guy to the ground, you're going to get. The, 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 the tackling call on Snead on the sideline was... Was that was, the horse collar? Uh, well, well, he wouldn't even horse collar him. They were, they were saying that he turned around and, and tackled him. Literally, like, the next drive, Cincinnati player does it to a Chief, no call. Nope. Again, it doesn't matter. It's over. you got to move on. But at the same time, it just it, it breaks your heart when a game is lost that way in that fashion. And you know uh, there were definitely some opportunities that would have been completely different. Had there not been and calls. And the bottom line is this. Cincinnati's a good team. Chiefs are a better team. I know they are, but man, hey, Burrow, 
had a hell of a game, and so did Chase. And if you're in the finals and you had either one of those guys, congratulations, you want a lot of money, or you're going to. You know, I was actually kind of surprised I didn't see you still in here when I came in this morning from yesterday. I figured after you got here yesterday for Ned Talk, you're like, screw it, I'm not leaving. I know where Mike hides the whiskey in his office. Don't think that didn't enter my mind. <laughs> I know you were thinking about it. But, uh, of course, uh, there was Missouri State basketball to be had. And I know you got your butt over there to watch the game. How was it? It's an interesting ball game. Bears were very sluggish at the start. An alleged crowd of a little over 3,000 on hand. Boy, the crowds have been way down this year. And I think COVID is part of the reason that the cold weather in a Sunday night game, part of the reason, too. But the Bears and Lady Bears did both play yesterday. Lady Bears won their ball game and won it rather convincingly over a Valparaiso team that's a pretty good, not great, but pretty good. But the Lady Bears did come away with the victory, and, and that's what counts. 74-62 was the final. Bryce Caleb was the, the big standout in that one. Lady Bears are having to overcome some key injuries. Bears sluggish in the first half against a Drake team that isn't too bad. Uh, Drake was one of the top favorites to win the Missouri Valley Conference this year. They've had some injury problems, but came out and took a lead while the Bears didn't play very well. Second half, the Bears did play well. Came from behind, held off Drake down the stretch, 61-56. So you look at the numbers and you say, what was the big difference? Foul shooting? No, no, both teams were equal. In fact, Drake had better foul shooting than the Bears did. Field goals? About the same. About the same. Points in the paint? Well, the Bears may be, actually, the Bears were quite a ways behind Drake with points in the paint. One key factor, three-point shooting. The Bears were 6 of 20. That's three sixes, 18. That's 18 points. Drake had three points. One for 16. Oh, that's There's not good. the difference in the yep. game. As a matter of fact, toward the end of the game, Drake was trailing by four points and tried a barrage of three-pointers and didn't hit a single one of them. No distance shooting with the Drake Ball Club at all. Now, these teams will play again up in Des Moines a little bit later on this season. But for the Bears, that's that's a nice win. It's their first conference win. They had lost earlier in December to Illinois State on the road. Now the Bears do go on the road. We'll see how they fare now away from home. Always much more difficult and, and different. Circumstances are different when you're away. But... Fact is, the Bears do get a very nice 61 to 56 victory over uh, a, a good Drake team. Yeah, it is good, and uh, they definitely have some uh, good distance shooting on that team. Oh, that they do. So far, so good. Uh, they did pretty well before I went on vacation, I believe. There, when they were away. Um, about uh, it's not some good news from the uh, Jury basketball team, though, is there? Well, the uh, Jury Lady Panthers did win. They walloped William Jewell. William Jewell's not very good. 90-42. to 42. Now, the uh, Lady Panthers are missing uh, their star player, Paige Robinson. She's the reigning uh, Great Lakes Valley Conference Player of the Year, but has a broken hand. Ooh. So she she's unable to play. But 90-42... to 42, I think you're a little better than the other team you play. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. the Lady Panthers did win that one, and they continue on. They're playing very well. They're a good team, even with their star player out. They're a good team. So are the Lady Bears, for that matter. Uh, the, Dr- <clears throat> the Drury Panthers did not play their game with William Jewell. Game was canceled, as is the upcoming game tomorrow night with Southwest Baptist. It's a COVID situation. Uh, how extensive it is, it, well, whatever it is, it's enough to get the games canceled. Now, it lists canceled. There's a difference between canceled and postponed. I don't know which this situation is. Canceled is sometimes used as a ubiquitous, all-encompassing term. 
Uh, that I, part of it I don't know, but it is listed as canceled, which means they won't make it up. I don't know whether or not that's officially the case, but they won't play tomorrow night. At least the men won't. Ladies will give it a try. Hopefully they're keeping those dudes away from the girls so they can continue <laughs> to play. Uh, last but not least, college football, man. We had some incredible bowl games. Uh, before we talk about the playoffs, though, uh, what do you think about that Rose Bowl game? Holy crap. You know, Ohio State, I think, was embarrassed that as bad as they played. They played no defense in the first half, and Utah is good. I wouldn't call them great, but they're a good football team. They are Pac-12. I was rooting for them. They had a nice lead at one time, 35-21 in the uh, second half. But here comes Ohio State. They finally got off their schneid and played some football. 48-45, high-scoring Rose Bowl game, big crowd on hand. The Buckeyes wanted that game. I just they, they, they really got their act together at halftime and figured out, hey, we're better than this. And they are. They're a very good football team. But Ohio State needed to win that game, if for no other reason than self-confidence. So, indeed, Ohio State's opening game next year at Columbus in the Horseshoe. <laughs> Notre Dame. Man, it's going to be one good one. That'll be a dandy. Yeah. It'll also be, I think there may be a TV camera or two there. Probably. probably uh, <laughs> and they probably already got it. Uh, they're probably promoting it now. I, we are. Um, now let's go to the playoffs. Uh, one thing that definitely is obvious, I think, to me and the rest of the world now is the need to add to that four-team playoff. Needs Especially to be after it, all these, I mean, this is it, the whole system is relatively new in the terms of college football. But um, especially after year in, year out, it's obvious who the number one and two teams are because that's what remains. You rarely see the underdogs. Well, you do, you're right. It does need to be expanded. We've talked about this before. There needed to be more teams in there, and uh, I'm for eight. Now, there had been some call of making it a 12-team playoff, and it was supposed to start maybe as soon as 2024. That's been pushed back a little bit That because... I think there are varying factions in the committee putting this together as to how many there should be. I'm for eight. I think it should be an eight-team playoff with four teams perhaps getting a bye and then the other four teams playing each other and then going on from there. Does it lengthen the season? Yeah, it does a bit. Uh, I wouldn't be at all adverse to football lessening the number of regular season games they have from 12 maybe to 11 or from 11 to 10, whatever it is. But that would certainly allow for the postseason to continue with no difficulty at all. But it should be an 18 playoff, as is the two best teams are there for the championship, Georgia and Alabama. There's no question. I think when they seeded these teams, that's what the seeding committee had planned. They put Alabama number one, so they play number four, Cincinnati. Cincinnati's not bad. And then the number two and three was Michigan against Georgia, probably on the on the surface, a more competitive game. When you look at it on paper, it wasn't no. because, gang, there is a major difference, major difference between the southeastern conference and some in the southeastern quarter of the United States and others, and that is team speed. We talked about it before. We'll continue to talk about it again. These the athletes are bigger, stronger, and. Faster. Yeah, and speed kills, baby. And, you, and, and and right on that note, that's that's the biggest thing that you see, especially in these playoff games. When you guys, when your number one team, Alabama, is playing number four, the one thing that is obvious from the get go is that speed. Now, when you look at Rose Bowl game, like the Rose Bowl game, 
then you start to get a little match of the speed and you can kind of see the ebb and flow. Ohio State definitely got embarrassed in that first half, but you can it's a little bit more competitive speed wise. But when you put I'll tell you where the speed these, is too, Mike. It, yeah, on the offense, you see the the runners are faster. No, 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 It's the defensive yeah. line getting in there. Cincinnati's quarterback Ritter, he was under siege all night long. He hadn't seen that all year long. But hey, you get that quickness in there and you put the pressure on those guys. Quickly, how they change. <laughs> uh, last question. What's your uh, New Year's resolution? New Year's resolution is for everyone to have peace and happiness. Man, Ned, turn into hippie in 2022. Well, you have a great day, sir. Bring on the rainbows, man. <laughs>